Welcome to the Milk and Motherhood podcast. This is a safe place to discuss breastfeeding, parenting, and the challenges these can present. I'm your host, Therese Dansby, and I'm an international board-certified lactation consultant and mom of three. I believe that navigating the rough waters of early motherhood with wisdom, grace, and humility can grow each of us into the mothers we long to be. Today, I interviewed fellow nurse turned herbalist, Amanda Radin, who works with postpartum moms to help them feel nourished, balanced, and vital. She specializes in herbs for adrenals, hormones, and deep nourishment. Amanda works with moms virtually one-on-one. She teaches monthly online classes and has multiple courses and eBooks available. She is a self-proclaimed crunchy mom and a matrescent and breastfeeding advocate. Amanda is a bibliophile, but also loves spending time outdoors with her family. You guys are going to love this episode about planning for postpartum and becoming a mother. At one point, Amanda mentioned having nourishing conversations postpartum, and that's absolutely what this interview was for me. I wasn't expecting to tear up, but I did several times. I don't even want to give away any spoilers because there were so many gems here. I think you're going to love this conversation as much as I did, so let's get right to it. Well, my name's Amanda Radin. Um, I work as a postpartum herbalist. That's where my passions lie. I'm married to my sweetheart of eight years now. And then we have two kids, seven and two really wild boys, um, two big dogs. We absolutely adore pit bulls. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I worked as a nurse for 10 years. And then um, when the pandemic hit, it really forced me to reevaluate my priorities and um, what kept me mentally healthy. And I decided to leave nursing and focus full time on helping postpartum moms where my passion really is. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so you for a while were doing both, right? When I met you. Yeah. 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 I did both for about six years. And then Finally was like, you know what? Nursing is not for me for right now, at least. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Same. So I did not realize your oldest was seven already. I swear he's like five. <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? Oh no. my gosh. First um, grade, seven years old. So yes, good. that's crazy. So what did early motherhood and breastfeeding look like for you with him? With him was totally different than with my second. So with my first, um, I was not the woman you see before you today, to put it lightly. Um, I was so caught up in the idea of super mom. Mm-hmm. I really thought that you feed the baby, you change the baby. If they're fed and dry, you can put them down and go about your life and they would be fine. Well, mm-hmm. I had a big colic. Um, oh, yes. So normal babies you can't put down because they mm-hmm. don't do that. But a colic baby, oh no, you can't put mm-hmm. them down baby wear them. You can't put them in a swing. You can't do anything without them screaming bloody murder. So, um, it caused a ton of anxiety for me and I felt incredibly lonely because I was the first one of my friends to have kids. Um, I felt like I had made a huge mistake, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, I was so focused on like pumping and that like breast milk stash because I was working as a nurse at the time. Um, so I was like obsessed with like timing and how much baby would Mm -hmm. eat. And so like, I'm like, oh, you know, my breasts don't feel full. So I must not have milk for him. So let me give him a bottle instead. Mm. 
falling into all of those traps that it's so easy to fall into when breastfeeding. Um, and I was like, so caught up with the schedule of pumping while I was at work that even when I was home, I would give them a bottle except for morning feeds and bedtime feeds. Mm, wow. So, um, it was really, I, it turned into some postpartum OCD for me. I would lay awake. I would count ounces. I would go out and count ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of stuff wrapped around all of that, um, wrapped around breastfeeding. Um, but you know, we continued on, I wasn't able to pump at work past age one. So, Mm. um, just did nighttime and morning breastfeeds. And then, um, at two, he literally never asked for it again. He just self-weaned like that. Mm -hmm. He never asked for it one more time. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. So that was kind of like my intro into motherhood. And, you know, nobody talked about matrescence seven years ago at mm. all. And nobody talked about what it means to become a mom. I thought that I should just know how to do it. And when I didn't, I was like, oops, I think <laughs> this was a huge mistake. Apparently I wasn't mm. supposed to have kids. Mm. And, you know, um, that was, that was really, really difficult and not having anyone really around me to kind of, I had one friend that had a kid and she was the only one that kind of helped guide me. And luckily she was like a breastfeeding pumping expert. So like she pump and she made sure I had breaks at work and stuff like that. But, you know, I couldn't imagine what it would have been like without her too. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was difficult. And that's kind of why I'm called to do what I do is because of that experience, because so many moms are like, Oh, I totally relate. I'm like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is something that I've struggled with too, is that some, something being hard means that it was wrong. And that's not true. Um, right. So were you into herbs before him or did you come upon them after that? I was not into anything natural okay all until I had him. And then one of the docs, I worked at an ER step down and one of the docs there was also a homeopath. And Hmm. so he was like, Oh, you should get into homeopathy. And I was like, okay. So I did. (laughs) And then I was like, Oh, you know, all the moms are like essential oils, essential oils. And I know we'll get into Mm -hmm. this. I was like, interesting. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, but you know, what's even better (laughs) herbs. And I, when I tell you my book collection went from like 20 books to like 300 books in a couple months, <laughs> my God, my husband's like, our house is basically a library. <laughs> How old was your baby at that time? I dove in at four weeks. Oh gosh. When he was okay. four weeks postpartum, when I was four okay. weeks postpartum, he was four weeks old. I was like, there has to be a better way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And okay. I went back to work at six weeks postpartum with him. Wow. So it was, um, it was a quick return. Yes. And you were vegan at the time too, right? Yes. I was vegan before my pregnancy and then mm-hmm. after pregnancy as well. And I had, okay. um, I had some interesting pregnancy complications. I had hyperemesis until mm-hmm. the third trimester. And then once that went away, I had preeclampsia and it was, and I got taken out of work early. It was, I like to say my first pregnancy was a very medicalized pregnancy because mm-hmm. I was a nurse. I wanted to be a good patient and be a good girl and be a good mom. And so doing what others told me to do is what I thought would get me there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. This is why we understand each other so well. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, so you evolved. I'm trying to think he was probably about 18 months, maybe when you and I worked together. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you started taking clients one-on-one um, and kind of making, you made 
specialized formulas for me even back then. Yep, absolutely. I dove in like feet first. I signed up for courses and just was like, I'm going to learn everything possible to learn. Just jumped right in. And um, once I realized that, oh, I kind of have like a natural knack for this. Like there's a deep intuition with the way that I use herbs. I'm like, I kind of know this without looking it up kind of thing. Mm. I was like, you know what? I got to help other moms because that's like, if I've always said like, once I went through, through it, I said, not me again and not any other mom I can help again. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like how I've lived from then on, so to speak. Yes. I love that. I have a side question that I didn't prepare you for, but (laughs) I'm I'm listening to your story again. And I feel like this is so similar to me and lactation because it was so bad with my first and I just dove in. And do you think that there is a degree to which postpartum anxiety and overcompensation plays into that? Um, I think so. I think that it comes, there's a couple things. So I think in postpartum, and I, I meant to talk about this later, but let's just dive in. The way that I feel postpartum is, and you know me, Teresa, I can get a little bit woo. When you go to give birth, you're, the way I see it is your body splits open and you like reach up through your body to grab your baby from the stars and you pull them down through you to give birth and you are left wide open. Mm-hmm. You are vulnerable. You're wide open to anything and everything. And, and, you know, but you're made to protect this being. And mm-hmm. I think that when that happens, a lot of creativity happens as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to matrescence, I see that as, um, in, in China, when, when a pot breaks, they fill the breaks with gold um, to make it whole again. And it becomes more beautiful than it ever was before. And to me, that's matrescence. That is the becoming of mama. That is breaking wide open to have your baby, seeing all of your flaws and slowly filling them in with gold to become something more beautiful than you ever were and ever could be without those huge breaks in your life. And so I think of matrescence being that, and I think that it causes this huge wave of creativity and this huge wave of if I can do this, what else can I do? And this huge, even though we're so separated from other women in our lives, I think it really does cause this sense of belonging because you see other mamas doing it too. You see them feeling it too. And you're like, I don't, I can help her. I want to help her. And so it turns into that. And you see a lot of people start like side hustles Mm -hmm. when they're like, postpartum and you're like what are you doing go take a nap don't do that but it's Mm -hmm. like this this creative flow just starts and you just you can't stop it you have to do something with it Mm -hmm. and so I think that that's really kind of where it stems from um now the postpartum anxiety I think for people especially nurses I'm talking to us um you're not used to not having to do something and so you create something to do Mm-hmm. You're not create a problem. Having to help. Yeah, yeah. You're not used to not having to help someone else. Mm-hmm. And so you create a someone else to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's that natural want and drive to help that hopefully originally got us into nursing mm-hmm. that we're like, okay, so I hate the idea of nursing and I hate the job of nursing, but I still want to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of where it all, where it all kind of accumulates into these side gigs of us. And these research holes of us where we're like, how can we help other people? So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love that, Amanda. That is really beautiful. I cheered up. I here I am coming at it pathologically. Like, what is this part of my postpartum anxiety? Is this part yeah. of my postpartum OCD? And um, you know, I've heard of that pottery, and I've never heard that used as an analogy for matrescence, but it is so true because we become a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they say the baby is new and so is the mother. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Two, two people leave the birth, two new yes, people. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And I love that idea of the wave of creativity because I have found that even with my third, this has been my hardest postpartum. Mm-hmm. And I've been after about six or seven months when I could breathe again, I thought yeah. like, I want to do something else. And I've kind of been beating myself up. Like, am I distracting myself from the work of like, just being in this mess or am I, but I love, I love that. I'm going to think of it as that wave of creativity instead, because it is good for me to have something else to think about and do and care about. So, yeah, I think, I think that's important too. And, and I also think, you know, we all have our own coping mechanisms and especially Mm -hmm. pandemic, the coping mechanisms are different and more internal um because we weren't able to go out with other people so they become more like internal coping mechanisms so I know a lot of people spent more time on their phone more time Mm -hmm. on more time but those that creativity and that like social experience had to go somewhere and so I think for a lot of us that had babies during that pandemic time because my second um was born during that Mm -hmm. we kind of needed we we kind of almost like made these jobs as like our social experience. So it's like, we came up with like, like you and I both came up with courses when our Mm -hmm. babies were like my first course that I came out with, um, Jacob, my youngest was six months old. And so it's like, yeah, I think it's just kind of like you, you have this like force within you where you need to create and you need Mm -hmm. to get things out of you and you need to have communion and see value. And we live in a capitalist society. I won't get too crazy on you, but so our value is wrapped up in money. And so what mm-hmm. we're looking for is someone to give us money to tell us, good girl, you're doing good. I like, I like you. I like what you're doing. Here's some money mm-hmm. because that is how we're told that's our worth. Mm-hmm. And so do I think it's wrong? No, no. I would never point a finger and say, what you're doing is wrong. You're escaping. I would say what you're doing is finding this coping mechanism in this world that's different than the world you were born into. That's different than the world that our first babies were born into. And so we're just looking for these, these outlets and these ways to connect and these ways to find our value. And mm-hmm. hopefully we're hitting a wave with talking about matrescence and talking about motherhood where um, those things will become more valuable to society. I'm, I really, that like, if I could leave a mark on the world, it would be like that moms are nurturing not even just moms, but nurturing is what is going to change our society. That's what's going to turn the needle for us. Um, and so that's that's long-winded, but that's kind of, I think that there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think even when you think about women as um, um, life givers and bearers of life, and I think that there's a part of that 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 does involve creativity intrinsically um, because that is life-giving too. I mean, as a creator or co-creator, you, yeah, it's more than just a tangible baby. So um, yeah, I'm sitting up here. I'm going to do a solo episode on maternal role attainment. Have you heard of the maternal role attainment theory? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And I, I we're just kind of hitting those points where like you do what, what people in charge tell you to do, and then you rethink it and then you um, come up with your own way of doing things and then you take ownership over it. And I think both of us have had that experience um, simultaneously in mothering and careers. So um, mm-hmm. do you want to share then really quickly what it looked like with your second? So you oh. were in herbalism, you're helping moms. By the way, there's a pandemic. <laughs> right, right. Which, you know, blessings and curses all within that. Um, mm-hmm. The blessing was my husband worked from home. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't lonely. Someone was there. Yeah. Um, but with my second, I really, I had read a bunch of parenting books at this point because when I had my first, I didn't look into parenting. I figured I would know how to do yeah. it. Are you kidding me? Come on, parenting, psh, whatever. <laughs> Um, but so with my second, I had read a bunch of books. And so I wanted to do more of like an attachment attachment style parenting. I wore him everywhere. I mean, we went about our lives. I didn't focus so much on nap times. I was Mm -hmm. like, he'll sleep. I'm not worried about it, but he was a much more easygoing baby than my colic baby. So Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is easy. You know, um, but I, you know, I had food brought over. I was obsessed with nourishing myself postpartum. Um, I was having nourishing conversations with other moms. Um, I obviously had a bunch of herbs set up. I had my just in cases set up, um, which we'll talk about that later. So like just in case, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was completely set up. Um, I went back to work as a nurse at eight weeks and then quit when my baby was about five months because he mm-hmm. would not take a bottle. And mm-hmm. my boss was not breastfeeding friendly in that way. Hmm. So, um, even though I lived three minutes from my work, I was not allowed to leave, go home, uh, breastfeed, back, which would have made more sense. Yes. Um, so he wouldn't take a bottle and it was like, I, you know, I was working eight hour shifts, so he mm-hmm. wouldn't eat for eight hours or he would eat like one ounce mm-hmm. and it just wasn't enough. And it was very, my, my husband was keeping him home and it was very stressful on my husband because he was working as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, you know what? I had gotten a couple things wrong at work and my boss was like getting on me about it. And I was like, you know what? Actually, I quit. Um, mm-hmm. Here's my two weeks. I'm too stressed out. This isn't working. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? It was my like husband- a snap decision. My husband was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I remember you texting me at that time. But yeah, there is a point where yeah. you're like, my, my brain isn't here. My heart isn't here. Like, it's not right for me to stay here. Yeah. So- yeah. yeah. And as a nurse, you'll notice that maybe you start making some errors. Mm-hmm. You start showing up later and later. You stop really <laughs> feeling for your patients and start mm-hmm. getting annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. But so I was um, an oversupplier with Jacob um, okay. because I was pumping so much at work, but he wasn't drinking at all. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, that all got like really sorted out once I was home with him um, because he loved Milky with mommy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I had a ton of excess, um, pumped milk and mm-hmm. I had to use the Haka quite a bit, um, to kind of wean off of the pump, so to speak. Um, and I wound up donating a bunch through, I mean, I think it was over like 300 ounces or so yeah. through fun feeds. Okay. Um, and so that was fantastic to be able to do that during the pandemic and, mm-hmm. um, you know, give those antibodies to other babies and other mamas. Um, mm-hmm. I was really happy to do that. And, um, so, so that was kind of like a beautiful part of that, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, motherhood this time around was more like I was expecting the change in myself. And when my second was born, I was like, you are the one. So my first was the one to wake me up. And my second was the one to change my world. And I mm-hmm. knew it when he was born. I said, oh, 
you're going to change my world. And he did. And he has made me reevaluate my priorities day in and day out. He is that (laughs) kid where it's like, he's go with the flow, but he is like, listen, this is what I want. How are you going to get this for me? (laughs) Whereas my oldest is, this is what I want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very different kids. But, you know, I really, um, it's really changed my life. And I am like, so happy to be where I am now. And, um, you know, it brought me and my husband closer together. I was able to ask for what I needed this time through. Um, I, instead of baby shower gifts for baby, I asked for food for me, people Mm -hmm. came over and brought me food. And then I ultimately, we wound up moving back to where I'm from to move across country when baby was 11 months old. And it was, the smartest move for us because now we have support, more support. I had mm-hmm. friends out there, but Arizona's kind of like spread out a little bit more than where I'm from. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just having that family support and, and my old friends that know me, you know, not trying to make new friends when you're going through matrices yes. is so hard because you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm somebody different today than I was two days ago when I met you though. <laughs> so this is like kind of hard. I, I'm not going to present myself correctly. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I think just the difference between the two just kind of shouts night and day to me, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm so grateful for both experiences because both have shaped me as a practitioner. Yeah. I love that. So, so you did things so differently with the second. So what would you recommend preparing for postpartum for a mom listening who's pregnant, maybe hasn't had a baby yet, or maybe had a first experience that was less than ideal and now wants to do it differently? Yes. Okay. I have a lot here, but I keep it succinct. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll start by saying that if you're like, oh my God, I don't know where to go. I actually do preparing postpartum sessions where Mm. we can like, go through it together and I can help you with it. But this is what I would say. Food. First of all, primarily get your food because mm-hmm. I don't want you in the kitchen for at least 15 days, at least. Mm-hmm. So if your husband is not an extraordinary chef that also is amazing at, mm-hmm. you know, um, caring for children and also can do it all at once and also do his job and also, and also, then you need to have food lined up. So if that means a special kind of meal delivery, if that means you have a meal train set up, um, I'll get into the meal train a little bit. Cause I think that's something separate, but mm. make sure that you have food set up. I always recommend warming spices, greasy cooked veggies. When I say greasy, I mean, cook them in butter, cook them in lard, cook them in bacon grease. They need mm. to be cooked so that you can digest them really easy. Um, connective tissue, like meat. So like slow cooked pot roast, things like that. I love desiccated liver or actual liver to help replete those vitamins, especially vitamin A. Um, Mm -hmm. Full fat chia seed puddings are a great snack and they keep up the fiber, which helps you poop because postpartum constipation Mm -hmm. is Um, I always recommend finding your local Indian food and Thai food figuring out what your favorite dish is. And then that can be something that your partner grabs or that your um, friends can drop off or whatever you're looking for there. Um, Soups are amazing. They're really hard to eat while you hold baby, but they're so Mm -hmm. nourishing. Mm -hmm. Um, Bone broths, like those traditional foods are just so great. I don't skimp on the snacks because you're going to have people bringing you meals, but you're going to forget about snacks and you need to Mm -hmm. eat a lot postpartum and you need to eat really frequently. I say have something to eat every time you feed baby, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Protein. Collagen is great to add to all drinks. Just any Mm -hmm. hot drink you have, bone broth, whatever, just add some collagen to it. And then breakfast. Never, ever, 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 ever skip a breakfast. And if you're Mm -hmm. having just a 
and a cup of coffee for breakfast, that's not going to do it. That's going to set you up for a day of blood sugar crash, which Mm -hmm. is going to feel like postpartum anxiety. So Mm -hmm. keeping that blood sugar stable is so key. Um, so let's talk a little bit about a meal train. So do mealtrain.com is fantastic. Go through them. That's great, but you're not allowed to run it. So either Mm. have your best friend or your mom or your mother-in-law, somebody who wants to help and has that like organizational skill within them. Somebody who doesn't mind being like, Hey, Beth, it's your day to drop off a meal to Amanda. This is what they're craving. This is their dietary restrictions. You Mm -hmm. need somebody who's willing to do that because even if they sign up for meal trains, sometimes they won't show up. So you need Mm -hmm. somebody to kind of hound everybody. Um, But I think meal trains send you reminders too. They do. So yeah, it is nice. But I am always surprised that food is my love language. And so I'm I'm always surprised when I'm at a postpartum doula client's house and they're like, what is a meal train? I'm like, why do you have a postpartum doula and you don't know what a meal train is? You need to know. So I'm there like setting up for them. Yeah. Yes. Very and first person who asks what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And people are really willing to help, but people have a hard time. I think yes. a lot of like mamas have a hard time saying what they need. Yes. And so they'll be like, how are, how are you? How are baby? Oh, baby's doing good. Baby's sleeping this much. Baby mm-hmm. loves milk. Okay. But how are you? Mm-hmm. And so my thing was, never show up to a postpartum mama's house empty-handed bring food always even if she just ate you can put something in the fridge <laughs> or the freezer. Yeah. um bring food in stuff that she can reheat it in so um this is like my one time in life where I'm like okay go ahead and bring it in aluminum because yeah. then, then then dad can heat it up write yeah. the instructions right across the top mm-hmm. um anything you bring write instructions across it and make it so that it can be freezable or can be popped right in the oven I think that's really really helpful yeah. um and then just making sure that if you show up like I said not empty-handed text them before you need anything from the grocery you know know their favorite food places um I think that that's like really helpful for a postpartum mom if you walk in and there's a sink full of dishes start washing them don't mm-hmm. ask start washing mm-hmm. them if for mm-hmm. me, if you walk in and you saw my floors dirty, go ahead and mop it. Some yeah. people that make them super, super anxious. Yes. But some mamas, they're like, please, thank you. My God, I've been looking mm-hmm. at that floor all day. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that just being open and willing, if you're going to step into that postpartum bubble, that vulnerable time when it's not super sunshiny and everything's leaking, you're walking into something really, really precious and really really vulnerable and if you're not there to help get out (laughs) and you do not need to see the baby in the first few days that they're born that's not important that's not Mm -hmm. important to the baby and it shouldn't be your primary like important to you Mm -hmm. um I think that's really key but for the mom make sure you have support so um you want to make your support network ahead of time and I suggest making two lists one for baby and one for mom so um you want to make these lists before you have baby, because that is going to help you not be Googling in the middle of the night. Okay. Because that's when yeah. that's when shit always hits the fan. It's in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. So, um, go meet and go meet your IBCLC, find one, go meet them. If they do insurance, make sure they take your insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Therese, you do prenatal appointments. A lot mm-hmm. of IBCLCs do prenatal appointments. That's a great way to get to know them. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's a great way to get to know your nipples. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then find a baby body work expert. I mm-hmm. personally love osteopathic manipulation. I think it's fantastic. And it's showing up more and more in, well, at least in, in my circles and mm-hmm. um, 
pediatrician offices, which I think is fantastic. Um, I'm also a big fan of craniosacral work. And then um, some people really love chiropractors. Just make sure that they're certified for infants. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're comfortable with how they're going to treat your infant. Because mm-hmm. like for me, I was not comfortable with them using one of those um, clickers um, okay. on the spine. That's not comfortable to me. Okay. Um, I want more like craniosacral type work. That's more yeah. what, that's more my speed. Um, and then honestly, inter- interview a bunch of pediatricians and mm-hmm. ask those questions that you think they're going to be mad at you for later. Ask mm-hmm. them, what do you think about bed sharing? What do you think about, you know, all those fringe things? Ask mm-hmm. them because they're going to give you their standard opinion. And if that goes against what you feel, then mm-hmm. you're not going to trust them and you're not going to tell them everything. And it's not going to be a symbiotic re- relationship. It's going to be constantly fraught. And I think that that causes a lot of also postpartum anxiety because you have to see them so many times if you follow um, just regular checkup schedules. So um, I think that that's really important. Yeah, and I, have, for- I have been telling people lately too, sorry to, to, to ask yeah. them about the, the new AAP guidelines about breastfeeding yeah. till age two, because when you read them, they're really, some people were angry because it sounded like, oh, now you're just like one more thing for moms to do, right? Breastfeed till they're two um, without support. But I, when you read the guidelines, I found them to be really positive and encouraging yeah. practitioners to be more um, aware of the normality of breastfeeding beyond age one. So I've started telling people to ask about the AAP guidelines for breastfeeding as well and just see like the, the immediate facial response, you know, yeah. like are they That's a really good way to find out if you're uh, actually breastfeeding like breastfeeding them. friendly. And yeah. even if they have, I know this is like kind of touchy, but hopefully you'll agree with me. Even if they have an IBCLC on staff, mm-hmm. that does mm-hmm. not mean that they're breastfeeding friendly. Yeah. It, yeah. And their IBCLC might not be a good IBCLC. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I really like, I love social media for this, that you can kind of get the personality of yeah. an IBCLC through social media before you meet them. You can yeah. find out if they're going to vibe with you. And some IBCLCs specialize in certain things. So if you wind up being an exclusively pumping mom, Mm-hmm. working on latch is not necessarily going to be helpful for you. So you might want to work on like flange size and stuff like that. So that's just things that I've learned in my experiences. I was very blessed to both my boys did amazingly at breastfeeding and I responded very well to the pump both times, mm-hmm. but I have so many clients that don't. And so having the IBCLC ahead of time, because you want them in mm-hmm. there and in there early. I always tell my clients, if you had trouble last time, have your oh, IBCLC yeah. come to the hospital not the mm-hmm. hospital one, have yours come to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You need tw- first 24 hours eyes on, and then you need follow-up appointments. Um, it's just so important. If your first kid had a tongue tie, you've got to get your tongue tie specialist yeah. on them right away. Just expect mm-hmm. your next one to have a tongue tie. And if they don't, yay, let's work for you. But I just think that's really important. But I have a list that I think for mamas that they need to have, and mamas are so great at getting stuff ready for their baby, but mm-hmm. they so suck at getting things ready for themselves. Yeah. Even second you- fourth time mamas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just so hard to imagine. You're right. Cause even with subsequent kids, you, you just think, you know, that you become a new person. But I think with the second one, I thought the change had happened. Like, okay, now I'm a mom and you don't realize that it happens every time. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So things that I always have my clients get, I won't go into all of them, but these are some that I think people forget. I want every single one of my clients to have a pelvic floor PT 
Hmm. Every single one. Yeah. If you don't go to them, okay. But I want you to have one. Um, I And make sure they take your insurance because they can be really pricey. <laughs> yeah. So find one that takes your insurance and, and maybe look into your plan. If you have like extra time before baby comes, look into your plan mm-hmm. and see like that's going to fall out. Like you, I don't want you to wind up with like a $2,000 bill, but mm-hmm. you weren't even you know, mm-hmm. kind of things like that. Um, and then this one, nobody ever thinks to do find a colorectal doc in your area. Oh, okay. Listen, when you give birth. Sometimes your anus splits. Sometimes you wind up with fissures. Sometimes you wind up and, and it might not happen day one. It might happen. Mm-hmm. Day hmm. Constipation okay. is a thing and you can yes. wind up really nasty stuff. So finding a colorectal doc ahead of time that takes your insurance, because you're going to mm-hmm. be like, you're going to wait until week six when you see your OB and you're going to be like, you know, what's interesting. I'm actually bleeding from my butt when I go poop. And she's like, mm-hmm. uh, and wouldn't that have been nice to get taken care of week one? Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm talking from personal experience or anything. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Again, an IBCLC yeah. that falls on mommy's list too. And then, um, an herbalist and a nutritionist that you love yeah. just in case, just in case you're depleted or you're the type that doesn't want to go with medication. And then you wind up with that postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, lasting baby blues, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also find a therapist that you love. Now, yes. yeah. don't wait until you're postpartum to find mm-hmm. that because you're going to be so vulnerable and you're not going to want to go. And if somebody, I, I personally have gone to two different therapists that I have walked out on. Mm-hmm. It, you can wind up with ones that aren't made for you. It's oh, really yeah. So finding them ahead of time. And I really mm-hmm. like the idea of virtual during postpartum mm-hmm. um, for therapy. So that's like my like fringe list. Those are things I think people don't think of that you really should kind of. And when you interview your OB while, or your midwife while you're pregnant, um, find out what their postpartum care is. Yeah. Um, and find out maybe what they do if they think you have postpartum depression, because that can mm. be really alienating and lonely and awful. So mm-hmm. I think that that's really important, but yeah, those are good um, questions. To ask. The couple extra things I would say that I really think mamas need to prepare for postpartum. You need to talk with your partner about normal infant sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you need to get on the same page here. Co-sleeping. Are you co-sleeping? Are you bed steering? Are you doing the crib? Are you doing the bassinet? You doing a crib in a different room? You doing a video monitor? You doing a voice monitor? How are you going to do it? Don't just wing it make a plan and then make a backup plan for when your baby, if your baby won't sleep in a crib, if your baby, you know, if you wind up needing to bed share, what's that going to look like? Is dad still going to sleep in the bed? Is dad going to go to a different room is, you know, how's that going to look for your family? And look up and yeah, yeah, the safe sleep seven, right? Like don't don't go sleep in the recliner at 3am. Because if you don't make a plan, that's when you wind up fighting with your husband and his useless nipples at Mm 2am. And that's also when you wind up falling prey to, um, I'll be, I'll just fringe it here and say marketing to tired moms. Yeah. Um, you know, I am not into shaming any mom for any choice that she makes, but I think Mm -hmm. if you set mamas up with the best education possible, they're going to make the best choices possible for their family. So I think that that's really important. And then give your partner tasks for postpartum when they're going to be home. Say they'll be home for a week. Say they have a week paternity leave. Okay, what are they going to do for the week? Okay, what are they going to do once they leave? I love the idea of 
partners making breakfast and making your nourishing breakfast drink before they leave the house. So if you're having a nourishing infusion, they can prep it. They have breakfast ready and on Mm -hmm. your bedside table, you know, things like that, I think are really, really great. And then the other thing to think about if you have other kids is older children, childcare. Can mm-hmm. you set up weekly reoccurring play dates? Can somebody else get your kid off the bus for a couple of weeks? Can you, if you're homeschooled, can you plan in your homeschooling vacation break? So many people worry about their connection with their older kids mm-hmm. and I promise you that's not going anywhere. And your biology is going to be screaming at you to connect with your older kids and your younger kids. You don't need to worry about that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I think things to worry about is how to keep them occupied so you can feed baby. Set up little like um I call them quiet baskets around the house in multiple places with like really fun stuff. I mm-hmm. also would do like um if I noticed that we were having like a couple hard days, I would wrap a couple presents like you know mm-hmm. dollar section stuff, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. And oh, you know what? Your brother needs to take a nap right now, but I have some presents for you over <laughs> on the fireplace that you can play with. And they'd be mm-hmm. something like puzzles or something that he had to sit down and do. Now, granted, yeah. my kid five when his younger mm-hmm. brother was born. But I think yeah. that those types of things are important. Um, you know, the mamas with the three under three and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you got to set up that childcare because otherwise you're going to be up trying to take care of those kids. You're not going to be resting. You're not going to be eating. And you're mm-hmm. going to wind up having long issues that show up later that aren't even going to show up right away. Yeah. So just keeping that in mind as part of your postpartum plan. Um, mm-hmm. I think really, really important. So yeah, yeah, I love that. Dads need jobs and older kids need jobs. And yeah. um, I never wrapped stuff up, but we did have just a stash of like random sticker books and, yeah. you know, watercolor books and things that yeah. we could just whip out when it had yeah been a few hard days and everybody's <laughs> losing their mind. And it, for us yeah. with this one, it was January and it was literally like right. negative 10 degrees outside and, and COVID yeah. was rampant. It was like, we are not yeah. going anywhere. <laughs> we are I going to help people, yeah. whatever your expectations are with your normal, with your, your normal kids, your older yeah. kids, drop yeah. Them yeah. And yeah. lower, lower. Yeah. Every <laughs> kid. And I thought even the bigger gaps between them. And I've just been humbled this time too. Yeah. With that oh, four and a yeah. half year gap. And I was like, done this before. Nope just a new baby, a new mom, a new family every time. I, you know, with that five-year age gap, I, it's wonderful because my oldest can help a lot, Mm -hmm. but I cannot entertain the two of them at the same time ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they remember what life was like before the baby. Oh, and they will tell you. Yes. And they're like, I'm so bored. Why can't we go somewhere? Why can't somebody come over? Why, you know, and it's an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. So those are the things that I really like focus on with moms plan and prepare and just it for me, it's all about having stuff ready just in case. Yes. So what are so you mentioned the foods, what herbs do you think are kind of applicable across the board for postpartum and breastfeeding moms? So, um, when it comes to like the first 48 hours, one of my favorite things to do is make fennel tea. So Hmm. if you don't like the taste of, um, like black licorice, you may not love this, but Mm -hmm. it's the best. I love this herb for postpartum, especially if you're a belly birth mom, because if you've ever had a belly birth before, you know, that gas gets stuck in your tummy Mm -hmm. and it's more painful than the actual incision itself. So 
really fennel is really great because it's a carminative. So it helps move gas through your body. It's also a gentle nervine, which means that it works on your nervous system to calm it. It's a galactagogue, which means it brings in breast milk and it's um, some of it gets through your breast milk to baby. And so that's going to help because they've never had anything in their tummy besides your amniotic fluid. So Mm -hmm. no matter if they're the most perfect angel baby in the world with no allergies, no colic, they're still going to have some uncomfortable belly time the first few days at milk in their tummy. So Mm -hmm. fennel really helps just kind of get those farts out, which is really important. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I like to make, like, I make a big batch of it. I fill up my French press. I only do like a tablespoon. I fill my French press. I steep it for however long, an hour, Mm -hmm. two hours, doesn't matter. Yeah. I put it down and pour it into one of my big, actually I have my water bottle. I pour it into one of those big (laughs) water bottles and then just sip on that all day. And it's really nice. I loved to have it right when I went back to work because it was like, I'm, I felt connected through it. So I love fennel. That's really great for tummy issues. Um, Dude, can I ask really quick? I think I, maybe you were the one who told me this to just, you can also just take a pinch of fennel seeds and chew on them. Was that you who told me that? Yeah, it's really great. Is that as beneficial or is it better to steep them in water? Better to steep them in water. Now, if you're just talking about gas, like you have gas Mm -hmm. pains, stomach's hurting, go Mm -hmm. chew them. That's great. I mean, that's fantastic. But if you're looking for the galactagog, like portions of it and things like that, I really think steeping it is a good idea. Okay. Um, And I didn't know it was a Nervine either. That's great to know. Yeah. It's actually like a very, very, very mild sedative. Like you're not going to have fennel and be like, oh, I'm ready for a nap. You're going to be like still going about your day, but maybe you just feel a little bit more chill, just a little happier. So fennel is really fantastic. And then I also say all the nourishing herbs. So Mm -hmm. talking nettle, red raspberry leaf is really great. It's going to help tonify your uterus, which means like strengthen it and get it back to its normal size. Um, I really love um, red clover. That's become one of my really most recent favorites. Um, It's just nourishing and it's sweet tasting. It's not, it's not as aggressive as nettles is as far as taste goes. And it's not as stringent, which means like Mm-hmm. kind of like picture your mouth when you put something super sour in and you're like, and then picture like super, super long steeped black tea where it like yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> in your mouth. Yeah. Sometimes red raspberry leaf can do that because it's really astringent. That's how it yes. helps the uterus get back to its size. Mm-hmm. So um, making nourishing infusions and add in some milky oats to help with that nervous system support. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it would just, nourishing infusions can just be so gorgeous for postpartum and I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, I always recommend just having, if, if you know that you're prone to PMAD, so, um, like perinatal mood disorders, Mm -hmm. you might want to just have some tinctures and some teas made ahead of time that you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like those personalized. I don't really like a one size fits all. Um, I really do. And I know we have a question about this, so I'll just tackle it now. I love after ease tincture by wish card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Um, I, the question that, um, one of your followers sent in was, um, if it's relaxing the cramping, is it going to cause more bleeding? So mm. I would love to tackle that really. Quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. I, I'm so curious. This is a big part of the herbs. So okay. um, what herbs aren't necessarily like drugs. So yeah. in this formula, there is an herb called cramp bark and there's an herb called black cough and they, they're the same. They're very similar. They're both viburnous. They're, they're very similar. They both help relax smooth tissue. There is also an herb in it called yarrow. Yarrow Mm -hmm. helps. Um, it's called a hemostatic. So it helps staunch bleeding. Yeah. There's also 
like there's there's a lot of verbs in this, but yeah. basically what's happening is it's calming the spasmodic effect of the cramping back down to size. Now, mm-hmm. cramping back down to size is still going to happen. It's not going to stop it. It's not like a drug where it comes in and stops your natural function. Mm-hmm. You're still going to cramp back down the natural size, but it's going to stop the spasming. And it's the spasming that really hurts. The mm-hmm. cramping down doesn't hurt as bad. You can still feel it, but it, it's not like, this is not going to like be like an epidural. You're not going to not yeah. feel it. Yeah. But basically what it's going to do is your cramping that will happen is going to be with purpose. It's going to bring it back down to size. It's not going to spasm and go, Oh, what am I doing? Ah, and that's the mm-hmm. painful part is when it does that. And okay. it's also going to help with not when you have like this open, wide boggy uterus after you give birth, mm-hmm. that can cause like the bleeding and the longer it stays open, wide and boggy, the more Mm -hmm. bleeding you're going to have. So you want that to return to size. That's why so many midwives and so many OBs give Pitocin afterwards because they want that to return Mm -hmm. back to size relatively quick. Because if it doesn't, you can wind up with hemorrhaging and things like that. So it's very important that it returns back to size. With the yarrow in there, that also helps staunch the bleeding. So that's going to help it all return back to size. Now, one thing I will mention is this tincture is not going to save you if you're having a postpartum hemorrhage. You do need medical help. Yeah, yeah. but it's going to help with those afterbirth pains and mm-hmm. don't just buy one bottle. If it's your second, kid, yeah. <laughs> go ahead and yeah. buy three because you're going to be drinking the stuff and it really yeah. does help. And that's why you're drinking the stuff. Yeah. Um, I so was surprised I- how quickly I just had one bottle on hand and I was like, surely that'll be fine. But, and I think my third bottle now I still use it on like the first day of my period. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great for that. For yeah. sure. Definitely. And their happy ducts tincture is actually another yes. tincture that I tell my clients to keep on hand, especially mm-hmm. prone to mastitis or clogged ducts. Mm-hmm. I think I find it very, very helpful. If you feel that first twinge of mastitis that like, yeah. I call it the pulled boob sensation. You're like, Oh, <laughs> I, I pulled my boob. That's yeah. when go get it. Go start. Yeah. Taking it. Go yeah. ahead. Yes. Um, but so herbs work in such a different way. And so that's mm-hmm. why I really love um, to use them when applicable. Like yeah. when you Perfect. Yeah. So if a um, mom has hemorrhaged, you yeah. don't say don't use after yeast. She can still use after yeast. You can absolutely still yeah. use that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. And none of those herbs should interact with any medications that yeah. you're being given. Perfect. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't prioritize it over top of medical care. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, so, all right. So we are, we're bouncing around a little, so do you want to, no, no, it's, it's perfect. Cause we just follow the same trains of thought, but we talked about setting up for the ideal postpartum. Do you want to talk about what happens when the reality doesn't match up? Or do you feel like we've already kind of covered that? Oh, let's talk about it. Um, okay. your reality is never going to match up with your dreams. Yes. Expect, <laughs> expect that. Expect. Yeah. And that's why that. I put in so many caveats and so many like safety nets yes. because it's never going to match up. You're going to mm-hmm. suddenly have a colicky baby. You're going to suddenly accidentally have a hemorrhage. You're going to wind up with colorectal issues. You're going to wind up with, um, you know, baby won't latch or, mm-hmm. it, or your husband has to go back to work earlier than expected, or mm-hmm. your older kids wind up giving you more trouble than you were expecting. Things are going to be different than you expect. You can plan as much as yeah. you want, but you can't let it drive you crazy because it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I look at the plan as safety nets, not as like um, a script 
you know? Yeah, that's a great point. Because you, I'm so prone to thinking A plus B is going to equal C. Right. If it didn't, I must have done something wrong. And it's like, no, no, you start with this expectation that it's real life and not, not a math equation. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things I try to look for in postpartum for myself is this is probably happening to teach me something. Um, Mm -hmm. Is this going to change me and my family dynamic in a good way? I look about it in a mm-hmm. curious way, not in a, oh my God, things are changing. Yeah, I, try to be I love that. Up. So, yeah. um, but one thing that I would say is call in your community. This is when you need to have that community around. So this is when you need to have that, that safety net. You need to have people for your older kids. You need to have people for you. You need to have hire a house cleaner, have a house cleaner come. What can you pay for? What community can you pay for? Okay. Mm-hmm. Your mom's driving you nuts. You don't want her to come over anymore. Can you pay for a sitter to come just for mm-hmm. a couple weeks? Can you yeah. pay for meals just for a couple days? Can you mm-hmm. pay for a house cleaner to come just a couple times? The, mm-hmm. And I want you to keep postpartum in your mind, not as six weeks, but look at it as the first year. Yeah. Just kind of think of, and I look at postpartum much longer than that, Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to calling in that community and having grace with yourself and having like that backup plan in place, just look at it that whole time. What can yeah. you do? How can you, you know what? The kids can have pizza tonight, things Mm -hmm. like that. Like, how can you kind of arrange your life that way? That's going to make all of the difference. And one thing I forgot to mention before that is really, really key. Um, I want you to have one person that is not within your house that you can be completely honest with. I I actually don't recommend your mom either, Mm -hmm. but you can be completely honest with who will also tell you like, hey, Therese, you don't seem like yourself. Do you maybe mm-hmm. need to see somebody or talk to somebody? Mm-hmm. That's really important because sometimes you're so deep in it that you just don't see it. Yeah, and that's so great. Um, it's almost great to give that person permission ahead of time. Like yeah. if you see me going off the rails, hmm, I like that. I like that yeah, idea. Yeah. And, and I don't like it being your mom and I don't like yeah. it being in your house because mm-hmm. if your husband says that to you and you were up all night with the baby, you're going to be like, mm-hmm. maybe you should step up, you know? Yeah. Or I remember <laughs> so just thinking like, are you saying I'm a bad mom? You know, like that too. Yeah. my husband would question if I was okay. I'm like, are you saying I'm not doing it right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so yeah. Like it, it's helpful to have that person and it's okay if they're not local to you. Say you have yeah. a best friend who lives across the country that's okay just check in yeah. with them talk with them a lot stuff yes. like that so, I mean Voxer do you use Voxer yeah I mean I love it oh man yeah shout out to my Voxer friends that yeah. get my yeah. eight minute rants absolutely. during the day yeah absolutely and okay. Marco Polo is great too like I mm-hmm. one of my besties is in a different time zone than I am mm-hmm. but we want to see each other and we want to see each other's kids so being yeah. able to see other videos like we're FaceTiming yes um, been that's really, great. Really great. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I love that idea of one person to kind of bring up when you're not yourself. Yeah. Um, so is that kind of just expect the That's unexpected, have your safety culture. net? Yeah. yeah have but, your safety net and just know that it's not you, no matter what your plan is, it's not going to go that way. Yeah, um, yeah. It just can't. You're dealing with human beings instead of human doings, right? Yes, so it's yes. like you you have their own feelings, their own agendas, their own ways about themselves. So it's not going to be whatever your plan is. It's not going to be that way. But if you have everything set up for your just in cases and you have everything 
you know, you have those backup plans, you have that community, you have that support, just kind of waiting in the wings, then Mm -hmm. my biggest advice is use it. Use it. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't that you're a bad mom or that they're going to think you can't do it because you reach out. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't power. Yeah. Don't power through. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that so many people power through in the early weeks and then they just hit a wall and it's like, ask for the help before you think you need it. Use it early and often. Almost all of my clients come to me at either four months when um, baby hits a sleep progression yeah. Or at nine months when they have completely depleted mm. all internal resources through pregnancy and postpartum, and yeah. now they're left on empty. And yeah. that is, that is very common. I can't tell you how many mamas I talk to that are like, I was fine, but I'm nine months postpartum. And now I think I have postpartum. Mm. Yeah. Like, yep. Or let's talk yeah. about some depletion. Yeah. 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 And you can only power through for so long and we weren't mm-hmm. really meant to mom alone. No, absolutely yeah. not. Not. Yeah. That's why so many adaptogens in my practice is because yeah. so many of us are doing the job of what would be 10 women all mm-hmm. at, all at one time. Yeah. I mean, there, there, I love the stories. Um, Dana Raphael was an, um, anthropologist that studied breastfeeding. I'm sure you're super okay. familiar. With her. I'm actually not. I'm going to oh go to reading. Okay. Okay. He actually coined the term matrescence originally in the seventies. Okay. So she, and she coined the term doula. So, um, that was her that came up with all of that. Okay. Okay. So she, um, she went around and studied multiple different tribes and cultures and how they dealt with breastfeeding. And in some tribes, it's like you breastfeed any kid that's around. It doesn't have to be your own. Okay. You just, the ba- a a kid is hungry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Have some milk. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just kind of love that idea of, you know, we've gotten so motherhood has gotten so sterilized now. Yeah. And childhood has gotten so sterilized now that I love the idea of a, a kid's hungry, have some milk. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. how that's how I hope my not that I'm gonna breastfeed my kids' friends, but that's yeah. how I hope my friends see my house. You know, oh, you're hungry? Have some food. Yeah, just, oh, yeah. you hug? I'll hug you. You yeah. know, um, that's kind of how, and that's kind of how I wish motherhood was too. Oh, you're hungry? Eat. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. Oh, you need a hug? Here's a hug. Yeah. Because I wish there were so many of us around that we could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish we had communal meals. I wish that mm-hmm. we got together and talked about breastfeeding. I wish that if one baby, if one mama can't make milk she could just be around another mama who could feed her baby I mean how amazing would that be how much stress would that take off of us and then no mama would have to feel like they're a bad mom because they're not the only mom Mm -hmm. come on yeah (laughs) that is so true and when other people are meeting your your physical needs and your kids physical needs you have more emotional bandwidth to meet those unique needs that only you can meet as their mom oh true Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So yeah, so let's dive. So we talked a lot about matrescence. So let's get to the actual question. You shared so much. Is there more? um, Because you've been reading a lot about matrescence lately and sharing a lot about it. Um, It's something that we both just have loved in our own journeys. So what else? Mm -hmm. What else do we need to cover there? Oh, well, you know, of course, I took notes before we got started, because I chatty, chatty girl. So (laughs) 
kind of what I wanted to make sure that we talked about. I am really, really into matrescence. I've done a lot of studying into it recently in the last, actually, since my, since my youngest was born, like the really cliche way to say it is it's going from maiden to mother. Mm-hmm. So it's the change that happens between who you were and who you're becoming. We see the reason it's called matrescence is that's a lot like adolescence where you're going from yes. childhood to adult. And as you see, adolescence takes years mm-hmm. and your body changes and your hormones change and what you like and what you don't like changes and how you act and how you see the world changes. The same goes for matrescence. The only thing is there is a clear start to matrescence birth. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that that, you know, we give so much credit and so much, like for me, I was like, oh man, middle schoolers, well, you know, high schoolers, <laughs> well, we give so mm-hmm. much credit to that, but we never go, oh man, those postpartum moms, well, they're going yeah. through it, man. you know? Like, or you expect them and you expect but, them to have gone through it by four weeks or something. And not, I love that idea that it takes years. Adolescence takes does. years. And so does matrescence. It does. Yeah. And, and just, you know, like I said before, um, one thing that I didn't really talk about is, you know, when it comes to like birth and you're splitting open, you're reaching up to the start, you're pulling baby through in Chinese medicine, um, there's something called wind in the body. Mm-hmm. Wind tends to cause anxiety. In Ayurveda, there's something called vata, and vata is wind, and it Mm -hmm. tends to cause anxiety when unchecked, but it takes those those motions to get baby down. Vata is a very downward motion, so you Mm -hmm. have to be very vata to deliver a baby, Mm -hmm. but then you've got all this vata swarming around in your body. You've got all this wind Mm -hmm. in your body that has to find a place to go. And you Mm -hmm. have to ground and you have to like come back into your body. So that's why I love the idea of creating postpartum because you're giving that thought to go. Oh, good point. Good point. But, you know, things that I always like to mention is mamas never forget who was there for them Mm -hmm. during postpartum and during matrescence. And they never forget who wasn't. That sticks with a mama. Mm -hmm. And I really think that your first few days, weeks, months of postpartum really sets you up for how you're going to mother and who you're going to be because mm-hmm. you are changing. You are a different person. Um, and that can be really hard for partners to understand and really hard for old friends to understand that you're mm-hmm. changing and you're becoming someone different. And you, I mean, I, my political views massively changed my mm-hmm. education views, massively changed things that were important to me, like out the window, never to be seen again. Like mm-hmm. it's, really it's it's this huge transformational time and it needs to be treated like a rite of passage because it is mm-hmm. so if yeah. you think about you know native times um rites of passage like the boy to become a man he would go out in the forest and have to fend for himself for a few days and when he came back a huge celebration was thrown because he is now a man why mm-hmm. do we not do that for moms you've gone why can't the first birthday be yeah a huge <laughs> rite of passage celebration? that was my thought yeah i always bring presents for mom for first birthdays i'm yeah. like this party's for you mama this is yes. not you kept yeah. a baby alive for a whole year and now you're a whole new person and welcome welcome yes. back. welcome back to society mama you've been on your own you've been you've been healing you've been learning you've been changing for this past year welcome back let's make that a new trend forget oh, gender yeah. I'm not first now I'm, like, now I'm like crying because okay. my baby's first birthday is coming up yeah I love okay, that so welcome back presents everybody yeah okay. <laughs> So I think just how your partner community and society allows you or doesn't allow you to experience your matrescent 
can be the cause of PMADS. So of perinatal mood disorder. If you feel that you are not allowed to change, you are not allowed to be this person you are becoming, you have to shut it up, you know, stop it up, quiet it up. Mm-hmm. That can cause depression. If you're afraid of who you're becoming, mm-hmm. that can cause anxiety. Yeah. If you are, if, if things feel so out of control and not like anything, you know, before, and you don't feel like you are in a safe space to experience that, that can cause OCD. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that just, you know, instead of stopping it up and shutting it up and hiding it away, we need to be allowed to be messy and leaking and bleeding and (laughs) just open and just vulnerable and crying. I want to see more like four month postpartum moms crying in stores because Mm -hmm. like (laughs) we need to see it, you know, to be like there and be like, this is who I am. And this is what I'm going through because what's going to happen. The more we talk about our postpartums, the more we talk about this matrescence, the less we're going to have that first time mom sitting there alone, thinking that they they're, they're screwing up. They made a huge mistake. They, they don't know what they're doing. They hate themselves. They hate their baby. They hate their lives. Mm -hmm. We're going to see so much less of that. If we are more soft and open and showing our ragged edges and being like, guys, this is rough. This, this is tough and you're going to make it through and look how beautiful you are and look how beautiful this process is Mm -hmm. because so much focus is, I mean, there's an app called the wonder weeks that focuses on baby development, which like, whoa, I hate that app, but you know, (laughs) focuses on the baby's development. Why can't there Mm -hmm. be one that focuses on mama? That's like, Hey, here's a journal prompt for this week. Yeah. Let's, oh, let's I love work that. This idea. Let's think, think about this. You and I have a project coming up. <laughs> oh, it's, it's coming down the pipeline. Yeah, this that's a great idea because yeah, you we are getting better at talking about the first 40 days or yeah. the first 6 weeks or the first 12 weeks and then that's where the loneliness really hits me is like after three months when everybody's like, oh, okay, you're back. Like it's back to normal, and you know? know and it's like, that. you've got the sleep progression at four months. Yep, exactly. Most moms go back to work at three months. Yep, you're, you've you're got just, huge, you have to be back to yourself, but also now your baby's awake and not a squishy yes, newborn yep. anymore when you really need help. Yep. I tell people all the time, you can hire a postpartum doula at four months. Yeah. You do not need to hire them the first six weeks. If you don't need them, you can yeah. hire them four months. They can yeah. come over with night wakings or they can Mm -hmm. come over and help you it's I mean your organs do not go back to their natural position until 18 months postpartum oh wow so why is that not when we have our final (laughs) are all my organs back in place yeah only if everything went perfectly yeah a normal delivery with no rips tears nothing yeah so I mean yeah yeah it is it is wild and lonely and yeah there are different I feel like with three kids there have been milestones that I hit every time that I'm like oh this is lonely and this is hard and the farther away you get from birth the more isolating it is because you're like do I still have a right to talk about this um, you do. But I, yeah you and I think it's yes. the other mom's right yeah. to talk about it yes and exactly. what about me? nobody talks about how horrible that is on your hormones and your body and your identity as mama. I think that's a whole nother matrescence is when you wean because your identity yes, it is. in how you mother has just massively shifted. Yes. That's 
huge, huge thing. I think that that's, yeah, a really big deal. And that's why, honestly, the second I, these new sessions that I run, I have an entire session that is just on matrescence now. We don't yeah. even talk about herbs. We don't even talk yeah. about how you how anything. We talk about you. We talk about your your postpartum, your mom's mm-hmm. postpartum, how your experience are people letting you experience it? How does this feel for you, for your body, for your culture, for your family? How mm-hmm. can we change this for other people? And then who are you? Not what do you do? Not how many mm-hmm. kids do you have? Not are you married? Blah 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 blah. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And yeah. getting there in the mirror and going, I am creative. Have I created in six years? No, but I am Mm -hmm. creative. I am. Yeah. You know, and sitting there looking at yourself and going, who am I? Oh my God. Brings me to tears every time. And my clients, they cry every time. Who am I? Oh my God. I don't know. I'm a nurse. I'm a mom. I'm an herbalist. I'm a, you know, wife. No, that's not who you Mm -hmm. are. That's what you do. Yep. Exactly. Well, yeah, let's, so let's dive into what you, what you, what you do um, now. Cause you, right. When when I met with you, you were kind of providing one-on-one herbal consults. So I say, you know, I was like, we're sleeping, my baby, or we're not sleeping, <laughs> my baby's yeah. in pain. Um, yeah. She had gotten over RSV, I think when we met and, yeah. and I was kind of oh. traumatized by that because she was hospitalized. So, and it was yeah. a very, it was a great session and it was like, here are your herbs, you know, but now mm-hmm. you have reformatted it, right? Yes, I have. So I wanted it to be more of a container and less of something that a mom had to think about. I didn't want mama to sit there and go, oh, I have to schedule another appointment. Oh, I need to order my herbs. Oh, I need to Mm -hmm. check in with Amanda. And I was tired of hitting up people's inboxes being like, how are you doing? So what I do now is it's a four month container. I call it the postpartum sessions, Um, the postpartum vitality sessions, because that's like the focus is the vitality of mama. Okay. So what we're doing is we meet five times in four months and the first session is this huge intake. I'm sure you remember even back then how long it takes. Mm -hmm. It takes at least 60 minutes, if not 90. And -hmm. we're going over your medical history. We're going over everything. Um, The second session is all about matrescence. And we're just talking about you becoming mama. The third session is all about building community and we're checking back in on the herbs. And each time you're getting your own herbal formulas that I personally make for you off of your technology, everything going on with you, I just send it right to your house. You don't even have to think about it. So the third session is all about building community. How can you build this community? Say you don't have community. How can you Mm -hmm. access the community you have? Who Mm -hmm. else do we need to call in? Because usually say we say the first session was three days postpartum. Please don't do that to yourself. (laughs) It was. Then you're three months postpartum, right? Or Mm -hmm. two, three months. That's a good time to probably go, oh, wait, now I can check in on myself. Where am I? Yeah. Yeah. The fourth session is all about hormones. We, you know what? Almost every single mama that comes to me is like, my hormones are a mess. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's address them. If they are, let's talk about normal expectations for hormones. Let's Mm -hmm. look at what you can do because society and all OBs and even the most wonderful nurse practitioner you could ever meet in your life is going to say, I can't work on your hormones until you wean, but you can with I think that that's very important. And then the fifth session is going, look how far you've come. It's like a celebration. It's like that first birthday party. It's like a celebration look how far you've come. And even if we continue on and you continue needing herbs, that's okay. I'm there to support you. I'm there to hold your hand. I'm there to walk with you. So you don't have to sit there and think of one more thing. It's the thing for you. It's not another pediatrician appointment. It's not another you know, school note. It's not more homework. It's how can I support you 
and I'm going to walk with you. And actually, you know what? I recognize that you don't know how you need supported. Mm -hmm. So here, this is how I'm going to support you. And so I really just, I love doing that for, for postpartum mamas. And most of my clients come to me, like I said, four months, nine months. I even had a woman come to me 20 years, her baby. Okay. 20 years. Okay. Um, yeah, but that's but like I a also, corrective emotional experience, like reparenting. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful too. Yeah. It's going back and talking about it and just mm-hmm. letting it like breathe, breathe it out. You know, yeah. it's big, but you know, um, just the biggest thing is like just walking with you and holding hand. I also do, um, preparing. So, um, I call mm-hmm. them like my preparing sessions where it's like, yeah. it's just one session and we sit down and we knock it out. We're talking about everything you could possibly need. Let's look at your history, what you may possibly need for that. A lot of times these people that I meet with are like, this is my fourth kid. Yeah, I just yeah. don't want to deal with it this time. I want to have stuff yeah. ready. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. And when it's a first time mama, I'm like, oh, let me tell you what postpartum's <laughs> like. Here mm-hmm. we go. So mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. And I think that that's something else. If you're a woman that has never had a baby before um, and you have a uterus and ovaries and you want to work on your hormones, I also do those. Just reach okay. out to me. That's just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really trying to like make this a, um, a container that, where you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're like a research monger, like I am, and you really want to do it yourself, you don't want somebody to do it for you. Say you're two years postpartum and you're like, nope, I'm ready. And I want to do it myself. <laughs> and I want all this knowledge up in my head. Well, I teach monthly classes that you can yes. hook into. And I have a bunch of courses now, um, courses mm-hmm. and classes and eBooks. And, and I have a podcast as well. Holistic life yes. for mom. Think your mm-hmm. teeth in. Try it out. Do it yourself. If that is where your price point is at or where your mind is at, try it out and see what you can mm-hmm. do. There's a lot of information that I've provided, especially along breastfeeding safe herbs. That is my specialty. And that is where my heart is. My goal in life is just to protect mom, protect mama, protect that mamahood and protect your breastfeeding relationship. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that you should wean unless you want to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's my goal to protect those two things. Yeah. And so yeah. I'll get fired up with my clients. They'll come in and tell me things like, oh, um, you know, the pediatrician said that, you know, I need to stop breastfeeding him at night. Oh, oh, you know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and we, we, we get excited or somebody said, you know, somebody told me that I don't need to have a house cleaner and I'm six months postpartum. Oh, you know, light them up. I'm, I'm yeah. ready. I'm there. I'm ready to light them up with you. Yeah. I had a postpartum or a pelvic floor PT tell me that my pain wasn't going to go away till I weaned. No. I had, yep. I had um, a pain management OB tell me the same thing. My midwife. <gasps> oh. Yeah. And it is, I mean, there are a lot of regrets I have and I am so glad I didn't listen to them though, because I would have regretted that forever because it wasn't the breastfeeding wasn't the problem. Like there were other unaddressed trauma things there, you know, nutrition, weaning didn't fix the problem. And I'm so glad that we weaned on our own terms and not yours. And it's another way that society just puts the blame back on mama. Yeah. Or they're like, you're making life harder for yourself. You're yeah. making it harder for yourself because you don't want to cry it out. You don't want to wean it yeah. one year exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's just, it's so much, mamas carry around so much guilt to start with because yes. we're biology. Because biologically we are wound up to protect and keep these babies alive. And then society tells us you need to 
let it go. You need to focus on you. You need to yeah. down. You mm-hmm. need to weep. Just have some wine and a bubble bath and you will no longer have pelvic floor pain. Yeah. Like it's not us. It's not mm-hmm. our problem. It's not our fault. It's not some burden. Breastfeeding mm-hmm. is not a burden. Sometimes it can feel like it and that's okay. But like Therese always says, the best advice ever, don't quit on a bad day. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not a burden. And the more that society tells us that it is and tells us that we're wrong and, and shoves this like fed is best. But if you don't say that, if you celebrate your best breastfeeding mm-hmm. dream, you're rubbing it in mom's faces. Yeah. That yeah. is taking away our power. And that is just, it hurts future generations, future yeah. generations that maybe would have tried breastfeeding are not going to try it now. And yeah. that's just, it's not okay. And it's not okay to put the blame on mom. And I, I hate that a lot of medical practitioners do that. Yeah. And it's so, it's so frustrating that the answer, you know, and one of the gifts with what you're doing now is just being heard, right. Is the mom yeah. being heard. And it's so frustrating to express that motherhood is hard. And then to be told mm-hmm. that the answer is to like step away from mothering, you know what I mean? Right. Like abdicate this to somebody else, um, make the baby figure it out. Like yeah. you're trying too hard and, and mm-hmm. then you just feel more detached than ever. Exactly. Yeah. From yourself too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. So um, all right. Do you have closing thoughts on matrescence before the Q and A? No, I am ready. Okay. I, okay. I have matrescence to death and I yes. hope to continue it. Yes, I hope I love it. Leave this and they know the word matrescence and they're able to apply it to their own lives. That would be like the biggest win. Yes. I love it. I am still surprised at how many women have not heard the word. So yep. I'm excited for this to get out. All right. So, um, we talked about after ease tincture. What is the difference between herbs and essential oils? Okay. We're laughing because yeah. I'm sure I'm going to get some hate mail on this. Yeah. Um, I am not a fan of essential oils. I do mm-hmm. not think that they need to be used. And I think that we are ravaging the earth by consuming them. There is, no, it's still monocrops. You're still planting tons of one species of thing. And then you're wiping it out. We are mm-hmm. causing issues with sandalwood, with boswellia, which is frankincense. We're causing mm-hmm. issues with these native plants in other parts of the world that are that need to be there. I think that it's really breaking us again from actual planet earth. Mm -hmm. I like whole plant medicine Mm -hmm. in whole plant medicine. There is those protective mechanisms within the plant. So that a different example would be like curcumin versus turmeric. Curcumin can cause like blood thinning issues. Turmeric, hmm, that's weird. It doesn't seem to do that quite as much because it has those built-in protective mechanisms. Um, you'll see the same thing with like dandelion, anything that they tried to take out, like for instance, meadowsweet versus aspirin. Okay, aspirin okay. at your stomach and you get holes in your stomach, right? If you take mm-hmm. too much aspirin. Meadowsweet is where it comes from. It also has salicylic acid, but you know what? It does not eat through your stomach. It has protective mechanisms within that plant that protect your stomach. So back okay. to us oils. Um, one drop of peppermint is 50 cups of peppermint tea. Yeah, I would never yeah. tell my client to drink 50 cups of peppermint tea. There's just mm-hmm. no reason for it. There's yeah. no reason for it. Mm-hmm. So I understand we're all looking for some way for things to smell good in our life mm-hmm. and smells that olfactory system that goes down into our body. It does affect things. I'm not saying that these don't work. Mm-hmm. I'm saying they're unnecessary. Yeah. So we need to find a cleaner way 
because we don't want to use plug glade plugins. So we need to find a cleaner yes. way to get smells into our lives. I agree. Do I have an answer? Simmering pots <laughs> on the that's about all mm -hmm. I have for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is probably not the answer that you're looking for, but I just want to make sure that some people know they're 100% not safe for internal use. I don't care what people tell mm -hmm. you other come after me. If you want, I stand by what I say. Mm -hmm. and I don't think they're appropriate for any child under age of eight. That being said, I fell into the, you know, the essential oil pit when I had my first, absolutely. Did I use them in his room? Absolutely. Did I use them on his body? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Did I then go down the research hole and learn more and more and more and more? Yes. Did mm -hmm. I find things more effective in herbs? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I, we, we share that in common yeah. because yeah, you, you, you're like, okay, get away from artificial fragrances. What's next? Oh, these essential oils. And I'll be honest, I still have them in my yeah. house. I still yeah. use like, I'm not going to throw them away. That took so much planning. I know. Yeah. But it's no, like, we'll use them until they're gone, but yeah. um, I'm not going to buy more. Yeah. Or, yeah. And I like cleaning, maybe cleaning with them, things like mm -hmm. that. But, um, but one thing that I think is really important for people to know that anything with menthol in it, which is mint, eucalyptus, yeah. that thieves oil, everybody loves, mm -hmm. um, that can cause slowed respirations in children under eight. Yeah. Life-threatening. Yeah. And, oh, I know that this is really going to upset some people because we don't want to hear things like this because it's something mm -hmm. that we love. And so I know people are going to get really upset, but let me tell you herbs. There's so many things you can do with herbs. Herbs are so much cheaper, so much cheaper, and you can do <laughs> so much more with them. Yeah. So, um, you know, use the ones you have. Absolutely. Don't throw them away. Use them for sure. But just use them with caution and see mm -hmm. them like they're, like they are. They're this super potent. Yes, they are. Herbal. And it's only part of the herb. It's not the whole herb. It's just the volatile oil. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're super potent. And so they needed to be treated with the respect that a super potent, you yes. know, medicine has. Yeah. 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 Not rubbing them on your baby. Not. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yep. All right. So, um, you talked about teas and you've talked about um, infusions and tinctures. Can you just yeah. give somebody, somebody had a question about those. So can you just kind of really briefly just explain kind of the um, progression of those and kind of the yeah. strength of them? So let's break it down. An herbal tea, you generally steep, it's like a tea bag and you steep mm -hmm. it for 10 where it's like a teaspoon of tea and you steep it for 10 minutes. And it kind of gives a taste of something to your tea. Mm -hmm. um, that is not going to be doing much medicinally for you, except for maybe introducing you to a plant, which is wonderful, mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, an infusion is going to be at least a tablespoon and you're going to steep it at least 30 minutes. That's when it becomes medicinal. That's when it becomes, you're getting the plant medicine. It's starting to, um, turn into a treatment or like, uh, I don't want to say treatment. That's not legal for me to say actually. Okay. So it's okay. turning into yeah. a, it's turning into medicinal from the plants. You're getting the yeah. constituents that your body is looking for to do something to your body. So, okay. um, and then a tincture is generally alcohol or glycerin. Um, when it's glycerin, we call it a glycerate. And mm -hmm. what that is, is it has concentrated certain constituents. So there's only chemical constituents that come out in water. They're water soluble. Mm -hmm. And there's some that are alcohol soluble. So some things you need an alcohol soluble in the tincture form, some things you need in water form. It just depends on what it is. So like, for instance, marshmallow root to get the mucilage from it, which is what coats your internal mucous membranes, you need it in water because it's water soluble in a tincture. Okay. It's not do anything. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But there are also some constituents where you need it in a tincture 
versus um versus water and okay. generally you can get away with water but um I like tinctures for acute things so like an acute illness or um I like to keep it for like in the moment emotional things yeah perfect okay so so I don't want a mom to be overwhelmed by that my kind of go-to is just infusions which I love because yeah. it's also just how motherhood works like if I throw a tea bag in some water, I generally don't come back till it's cold anyway. So then I have an infusion. Yes. So when in doubt infusion and, and yeah, if you have something more acute or, um, or, or more longer lasting. Yeah. Yeah. And you want like nourishing infusions or very like, like a lot more plant matter, like nourishing infusions use almost a cup, um, as opposed to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Perfect. Okay. So, um, do powdered herbal blends work? So you talked about water, you talked about alcohol. So what about just the ground up powdered herbs, like in all of those milk making supplements out there? Yes. And no. Okay. <laughs> it, it will work for some people. Sure. But okay. nutrition, hydration, latch, and, um, number of times you put baby on the boob is what's going to make the difference. Um, one thing, tasting the herbs is very important too. So if you get like a capsule that has powder on the outside, that's great because the, mm -hmm. the of the herbs start in the mouth. And okay. so tasting it is pretty important. I prefer teas. That being okay. said, I do want to mention that I do not recommend fenugreek for yes. um, breastfeeding mamas because you mm -hmm. it's very dose dependent and a tea and a capsule may not have the exact same dose every single day. Now I've heard amazing things about people relactating and things like that by using fenugreek and that's fantastic, but you absolutely have to work with someone who is practiced in fenugreek. I don't just mm -hmm. mean, I don't just mean an herbalism. I mean, in fenugreek for okay. me, my clients, and it also tanks your blood sugar and that can be yeah. very so for mm -hmm. me, I'm going to give you go through, I'm going to give you nettles, red raspberry leaves, fennel, all the good stuff. But yeah. do I think capsules work? Sure. You're going to have to take a lot of them. I think mm -hmm. a tea would work much better. And I don't like milk mother tea by traditional medicinals. I yeah. Don't think mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but um, I actually know the owner of Euphoric Herbals and I really like her. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So do you give herbs to your babies? So we talked about no essential oils on babies. What about herbs? Okay. I love this question. I can phrase it two different ways. Should someone give herbs to babies yeah. <laughs> or do I give herbs to babies? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to give you my safest answer first. Um, mm -hmm. no, mm -hmm. there's no reason. To. Um, you can give herbs to mom and it can come through the breast milk. And I think that's great. Okay. However, once they're six months and older, you could give chamomile in a bottle. It can't replace the feeding. It can mm -hmm. be seen as food. Um, you need to, I think you need to breastfeed before you give it to baby. Mm -hmm. You need to check the temperature, but if they are super, super crabby, having trouble teething, big belly aches, things like that, you could give maybe like an ounce of chamomile tea, of okay. like weak chamomile tea. Um, I think caution and professional help with giving herbs to babies is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Do I use herbs with my babies and have I used them with my clients' babies? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, but you got to work with somebody. It's too yeah. dangerous give the baby something. And one thing that I always say is I never want herbs to get blamed for something to happening. Mm -hmm. Say something mm -hmm. happened to your baby and it wouldn't have even been the herbs fault. The first thing that the medical system is going to jump to is what'd you do yeah. different? Oh, mm -hmm. well, I did this herb. Oh, well the herb caused it. And now herbs are illegal. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. There are, um, 
more and more like tinctures out there or glycerites out there even for babies and sleep and teething and um, uh, yeah. My, I will tell you my big, big thing. Do not give your baby anything for sleep under one year of age. That yeah. is okay. for, our, for um, why did I just blank on it? That's a recipe for um, infant crib death. And that's just mm-hmm. not, I, it is not appropriate, period. Yeah. I actually yeah. don't give babies anything for sleep until they're over two. Yeah, it is. And it's hard because you and I have been there with the babies that are just not sleeping and you just have to reframe it. You have to look at what's biologically normal. You have to rule out the red flags and you have to ask for help. Yeah. There's not a magic pill that's going to get your baby to sleep because if there was, all the babies would sleep everywhere. And I would just throw in a caveat on the the teething, the teething list rights, because I have Mm -hmm. used them and I do think they're fabulous. Yeah. Um, Okay. you need to put a dropper on your finger and put it where you want it to go. Mm, yeah. You need to not do it around food because it will numb the gag reflex, especially yeah. if it has clove in it. That's a very mm-hmm. hot oil, a very hot herb. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you necessarily need to do it, but if your baby's just miserable and you're like, I'd rather do this than Tylenol, don't do it around eating because it can numb the gag reflex. Um, mm-hmm. I actually even maybe don't do it at night unless you're going to be with babies. So if they like sleep next yeah. to you, bed share or something. Um, but I, I have seen great things. I mean, if you like put chamomile tea on a rag and freeze it, oh man, hmm. chamomile okay. is the best herb for fussy babies. And it actually helps relieve pain and it helps it's a febrifuge. So it helps reduce fevers as well. Yeah. Perfect. I'm going to go freeze some chamomile tea right now because yeah, yes. like, like put it in one of those little teethers where you can put like uh-huh. the ice cube in the teether. Yeah. Oh yeah. Perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So those are the questions we got. So we, I feel like we've given a lot of encouragement throughout this, but what encouragement do you have for a mom listening? Who's maybe a few weeks or a few months postpartum and she's realizing she didn't plan beforehand and now she's struggling. Teresa, I loved this question. I was so excited to see this on here. Um, you don't know what you don't know. Don't mm-hmm. be up. Okay. Nourish yourself now. Get rest now. It's never too late. You can take naps with your babies. Please do. You don't need to nose to the grind while they take a nap. Go take a nap with them. That's great. Eat nourishing food. Focus on nourishing yourself. I say nourish yourself purposefully. Okay. So eat to nourish. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Um, And then prioritize your healing and nourishment because it's the trickle down in the family. The rest of your family is going to get that nourishment and that healing when you do. And so seeing that as a priority for your family it's going mm-hmm. to help you so much in the long run. Yeah, that's something that I have learned just in the last few years because I, it's so easy to want to like fix your baby's problems. And sometimes you really do need to take care of yourself and that fixes the problem. Not yeah. every time, but sometimes it does. So I like that. Mm-hmm. All right. So to close it out, um, I want to end on a positive note. We've talked yes. about all these hard things. It's so easy to focus on what we're doing wrong or what's not going well, what's hard. So I want to ask if you can just share how old are your kids? Cause that matters, right? Like yeah. a mom with a four week old is not going to find this rhythm helpful. How old right. are your kids and what's a routine or a boundary or a habit that is working really well for you right now? So I will say it's two different things for my two different kids, right? I okay. have a two year old and we recently, and of course the last four days have not been this yeah. way, but <laughs> yes. before that we recently night weaned, he's um, over two okay. and working really well. That boundary, um, no nursing until 6.30 in the morning was, mm-hmm. was from the last few nights <laughs> we've been 
but yeah. was working really, really well. And he was getting more rest, which was very important. Does mm-hmm. weaning cause more rest? No, that's not <laughs> the point. I'm just saying that boundary was working very well. Yeah. For that. I was Good. very in place, but it worked really well. And then for my seven-year-old, um, we're having really big conversations around food and I'm really impressed with how he is doing with food. So we just had Halloween and I mm. told him to keep a certain number of candies and that he was allowed to have a couple candies that night. And he ate one, didn't really like it. So didn't keep eating it. Wasn't like, oh, sugar, kept eating it. Yeah. Tried another one and gave it to me when he was halfway through and was like, I'm done with sugar. That's yeah. such a win for me because he is like a little sugar hound and I'm so impressed. He goes, it just doesn't feel good in my body. Yeah. So I think, and then also he has started reading chapter books and I think reading around my kids, reading my own books around my kids, talking about reading, mm-hmm. I'm seeing that show up. And I think that that's really, I'm feeling very positive about those things. Yes. Oh, that's so reading. Yes. When my, you know my oldest, yeah, oh, I'm like, oh, you can read a book. It's it's such a game changer. So thank you. Okay. So we've talked about what you're doing in your work. So where can people find you? So I spend way too much time on Instagram and I'm trying to pull back a little bit yeah. but you can at tree mama herbals on Instagram. Okay. You can absolutely find me on my website. There's so much good stuff on there. Um, it's www.treemamaherbals.com. Um, you can in my podcast, I'm going to do my third season here soon. And that's holistic life for moms. And then just, you know, get on my email list, mm-hmm. find out what I have going on. That's kind of how I'll tell you, unless you're on Instagram, that's how you'll find out what's going on. And, um, you know, just reach out to me however you want. You can be like, oh, I heard you on Tree's podcast. It's so nice to hear you. Or, oh, you really suck. I hate what you said about essential oil. <laughs> I'll be like, that's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'll link to all of those in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here today. This was a really fun conversation for me. This was so great, Therese. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to Milk and Motherhood today. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to some of the things we talked about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends or leave a review to help other people find us here. As always, you can find me on Instagram at happy.mama.healthy.baby or on the internet at happymamahealthybaby.co. See you next time.